my let's keep it real people. I know I tell you all the time how much I appreciate you and your support, but man, oh man, when my video went up for my speaking engagements, people came out of the woodwork to support me. I'm so pumped. I just know it's going to bring awesome things. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And you referring me to a friend or a person, you know, that works at a school or a corporation to do a speaking engagement and workshop. It really makes a difference. Word of mouth, baby, word of mouth. So love it. Thank you. Keep them coming. Anytime I can get on stage and inspire people, um, just in pure joy. All right, now, enough of that. Enough of that mushy stuff. Let's get to my next guest, yoga. Is yoga good for you? Mind, body, spirit. That's the big question. I know many of us just think it's all good, right? It's great for your mind. It's great for your body. Anytime you can take any type of yoga class, go for it. Maybe not so much. Trust me, you are going to want to listen to the entire podcast. You're going to want to share it, rate it, like it. There were so many things I was just unaware of. You know, it makes you think just because somebody says something's good for you. Is it really? And is it specifically good for you and your body. You're going to love it. Toodles. This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. Okay, take a deep breath in, my let's keep it real people. You get to see me and my guests, which is a special treat. Yay! Before I introduce Yogi Aaron, let me just tell you a little bit about him. He is one of the most sought-after teachers today trailblazing a new path in the world of yoga, which I'm happy to hear, you know that. Known for his unorthodox perspectives on stretching and flexibility and how both cause more harm than good, preach. His teachings aim to help as many people as possible live a pain-free life so they can realize yoga's true intentions. Welcome, Aaron. I'm so glad I got you on. Yay! <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Sandy. I think you fit me in like it was now or like End of know, March. March. <laughs> it was divine intervention. Yeah, well, somebody at the last minute had to cancel. And for some reason, I was going to go look at the people waitlisted. But then I saw your thing. and I'm like, ooh, we haven't talked about that. That's fascinating. <laughs> Maybe he can do it. And if not, no biggie. So here you are from Costa Rica. But before right. we get into any of that, your one word, I asked my guest for the past 30 days, whatever word pops right into your head, what would best describe the past month and why, Aaron? <laughs> that is easy for me. Um, manifestation. Um ah. Because okay. there's this last year has been so much about 
manifestation. I mean, honestly, the last decade has been about manifestation. Your whole life, right? <laughs> but I was, at, at the beginning of the year, I was faced with two options. Um, one option went through one door was kind of healing from this exhaustion uh, from the pandemic, from <laughs> the last decade. Yeah, but yeah. the second door was um, this kind of inner purpose started to reveal itself. And, you know, with what I'm teaching, I could keep it just very um, to my students, directed to my students, the people that come and study with me. Or I could make the decision to expand it and, and reach out. And, you know, when purpose comes and knocks at the door of your heart, um, I believe that we have to answer it. And that's what I kind of felt like that this, I really did a lot of inner work on it. And, and I just felt like this is the time to do it. If not now, when? Um, so even though I kind of went into this kind of exhausted, um, this project has actually fueled me and given me a whole new sense of, of purpose in life. I, I, I know I talked a lot, Sandy. So if I, if you want to just jump in and cut me off anytime, please do. <laughs> but, um, yeah, this, this has really given me a sense of purpose. And I feel like there's some conversations we need to have in, in the yoga world. And, and in writing my book and in put, producing this podcast series, which I did, which was, which was very much a storytelling kind of documentary-esque kind of podcast, yeah. that it really has kind of made me um, come to a lot of conclusions through interviews I've done with people and, and it's been really energizing for me because people like you go, yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. we need to talk about this. And that just totally gets me excited. Well, Aaron, <laughs> nobody really knows this story, but we got to start off with this and why I was so excited to bring you on. So, and let's keep it real. What you might not know is I've been in the health club industry my entire life. So I've owned and operated health clubs, I mean, for over 30 years. And I've taught everything, every single class. <laughs> yoga. <laughs> and as a young fry, I loved yoga. I loved the whole concept. I'm very much about anything to get you to hug a tree the spiritual connection. I teach so much mental fitness and mental health and mindset that I always wanted to do yoga classes. But every time I went into a yoga class, I had to modify 90% of it, right? It just wasn't for me. And everybody couldn't get that because at the time, and you understand in the fitness industry, when you went to a lot of the workshops, part of it was yoga and everybody expected because I was really fit at the top of my game. I was going to just be able to crush it out. And I'm like, you know, here's my tree post. <laughs> and I didn't really know why. I just knew it didn't feel well, but I wasn't going to give up on it. So <laughs> I would go into New York, which is not far from Philadelphia. And I take some of the best yoga uh, classes by the best instructors, but some of them, would come over to me because of the way I was built. If I put my feet together, my knees are up by my ears and I don't have a wide turnout. And they would say things like, 
You need to re- release the pain inside you that you have for your mother. And I'd say, are you sure it's just not my hips? I mean, my mom's got issues, but <laughs> then we go to the next one and they try to spread my legs. And I kept saying, oh, I, I was a dance major. So understand, I was a dance major, but yeah. never could do ballet again because I didn't have this turn up. Sure. There. Okay. So I decided maybe yoga wasn't for me at the time, but I would bring still yoga into my studio and then discovered all the different systems of yoga. And then one day, and it wasn't even till my forties, one of the yoga instructors said to me, has anybody ever said you might have hip dysplasia? I go, what do you mean? She's like, I bet you, if you had your hips x-rayed, you were born with hip dysplasia meaning your hips are tilted really far forward. I go, that would make sense because I can do everything. I can jump, whatever, but I have no turnout. And she's like, yeah, I don't think it's because you're not one with the universe. <laughs> it's got but nothing yeah, to do with your mother. Because I fall from my mountain bikes. I don't go get extras for a reason. I have been pummeled. And the guy goes, you have hip dysplasia. I go, <laughs> I wish I would have known that when my ballet teacher was trying to get me to do the. So anyhow, years and years later, with my own search, I thought, I don't think it matters that I can't do that pose, nor do I want to. But there might be something too much that I could enjoy of the mind, body and spirit. And it wasn't until I sold all my health clubs in 2019, did not know about COVID, but thank you. And I went to Caprala Institute in Massachusetts and they introduced me to a whole different way of yoga, dance yoga, chanting yoga, drum yoga. And I'm like, I, <laughs> and that's where you come in, Aaron. And cause I'm thinking there's gotta be a different way. There just gotta be a different way. This can't be good for your body. Now they didn't injure me just for a moment, like some of your things. Do you know what I mean? I was just in pain for a week or two. (laughs) It was my own defiance that was like, something's telling me something's wrong here. Now, Aaron, that's why I had you on the show. No one even knows that story, but that's my story and I'm sticking to it. I love it. I love that you, I, I love your energy and enthusiasm for your story. Thank you. <laughs> so it's a lot to get in, but let's just talk about why you went on this search of maybe there's something different about yoga that can be taught here. I don't think my body's feeling so great. I mean, I was reading through it. You were in a lot of pain. And thank God for Eric. Love the name Eric. My husband's name is Eric. So shout out to Eric. (laughs) Eric is a miracle worker. And um, he's located in LA now. And he's just amazing. But I, I mean, I started yoga when I was 18. I was very athletic. Um, I still in my mind, at least am. (laughs) um, I I mean, I love to stay active. My activities, of course, have changed a little bit, but I still do. You know, I can, I love spending time in the mountains and hiking. Um, 
And when I was 18, I started yoga. And to make a long story short, because there is a longer version of it, um, <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's, I started yoga when I was 18 and really hurt my back. And, um, and I did, you know, there was a lot of things that started to happen that just didn't make sense to me. And I just chalked it up to, well, this is my body. And I never put the dots together that, that certain muscles weren't working in my body. And because those mm -hmm. muscles weren't working, that I was developing more and more pain. I was making the problems worse. I had an unstable lower back and my back was unstable because my hip flexors and extensors weren't working in layman's terms. That means yeah. for, you know, people that my glutes weren't firing properly. Yeah. And, um, and then there was then there was an opposite effect with my hip flexors not working. So there's like this one yoga pose, um, for example, which I could never do. And if you asked me to go into it right now, it would almost be impossible unless I did some muscle activation on myself, but that's boat pose in, in, in the Sanskrit word is for Navasana. So it's like when you're sitting on your sit bones, you lift your chest and you lift your legs off the floor. Oh yeah. I've seen people do so that. both at the same time, I can't do that um, without proper preparation, yeah. which is good. Cause now I know, but that the fact that I couldn't do it is just a sign that my hip flexors, meaning my quads and my psoas just were not contracting properly. And so I was constantly putting stress on my lower back, my lower back would be in pain. And because my lower back was in pain, you know, there was stuff going down into my sciatic nerve. So I thought that I needed to do all these hip openers, right? And child's pose and all those things. And I got really flexible, uh, Sandy, like really flexible. I used to have suffered severely from tight hamstrings. I managed to open open them up. I'm doing air quotes for podcast listeners and they, but then you know what would happen? The pain would always come back. And over the years, I would stretch to feel better, but the pain would always come back. I didn't realize that the stretching was actually making the problem worse. And I didn't understand the science of it. And to be quite frank with you, there isn't like if we did a poll of 10,000 yoga teachers, I bet you not even one of them would understand the science of stretching and what is actually going on in the body. And I don't say that from a judgmental place or superior place. I really struggled with it with myself for several years. So I have empathy for people like trying to grasp this idea. It's so it flies yeah. so in the, it's flies so much in the face of, the common wisdom out there. And it wasn't until I ended up, I was about 45 at the time. And I ended up in the orthopedic surgeon's office with him telling me, you're going to need a spinal fusion. Yay. <laughs> and I'm like, yay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's, you know what, help me. <laughs> that's what led me down this path. Um, and where I am today with my stop stretching stuff. <laughs> All right. Uh, there's a lot to unpack with that story. And you're right. There is a longer version, which I actually really, really enjoyed. Okay. 
So let's start with the people right now who are freaking out, who are in yoga classes. Because <laughs> I know it's gonna <laughs> once this airs, you know, because it's being recorded, it'll be like, what? Uh, you know, I'm sure you get that all the time. But I'm killing yourself. What am I doing? Oh my God. Okay, calm down. Just calm down, right? Are there people out there? Because I want to go through my number one questions I had for you. When I when I found you were coming on, I always reach out to my peeps. And so they sent me a lot of questions for you. Mm-hmm. Are there people out there that the traditional yoga class is just fine for and they will not get injured? Ooh, big question. You know, I I honestly, in my humble opinion, and this is only an opinion, I would say. There is, I would say that my very first answer is no, but then maybe. And the maybe is for a very specific kind of person. The maybe is for the kind of person that has no stress in their life, that lives in kind of a bubble, (laughs) that is not really interacting with life. Um, And there are people like that. There are people, you know, like a yogi, a typical yoga person. Uh Um, And I'm talking about like, you know, one that lives in the Himalayan mountains and, you know, gets their food brought to them. Um, You know, there's people in the tradition, people that did spiritual practice were taken care of because people respected the fact that these people were trying to commune with the divine and they wanted to support that person to commune with the divine. And so there is that kind of person, but one of the things that's not often talked about or is completely forgotten about these yogis in the Himalayan mountains is that they died at a very early age. So, you know, and and one of the things, you know, while I'm just mentioning that it's like yoga people in, in the tradition, not in America, but in the Himalayas, when their bodies started to give out, they checked out. You know, and um, there's all kinds of stories in the tradition about it. it's like my body doesn't serve me and is distracting me from my spiritual practice. So I'm out of here to get a new body. And um, and that's a science that I don't understand and that we're not teaching. So we have to deal with the body we've got here. <laughs> um, and so there are I would say that. But, you know, there's people that you will see like that look very fit that they bang out their yoga practice, but when you close the door, they always are dealing with pain, lower back pain, knee pain, neck pain, nerve Mm -hmm. damage that has been exacerbated by this kind of asana yoga practice. So my answer is no. Let's keep it real, Aaron. All right, that was the number one question. The number two question, let's really dive into putting aside yoga over here, but they can't see me. So I just put yoga over here. <laughs> You're putting yoga in a box. <laughs> yeah. And, and let's just talk about stretching. Yeah. Okay. Do you believe in stretching like for athletes? You know, m- most of the people I know, let's just even start with runners. They know not to stretch cold, right? They warm up their body a little. They do a light run walk. They do a light stretch. They do their run. And then afterwards, they do a light stretch. Yeah. So I have to just say one thing, and I appreciate you putting yoga to the side because, um, and I'm just going to say this and then and then move on, but that stretching and flexibility have hijacked yoga 
that yoga teachers do not know how to teach yoga unless they're teaching stretching. And that's a big problem because stretching and flexibility has absolutely nothing to do with yoga. Now we put that into a box, we come back to your question. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm ready. So here's the thing with stretching. First of all, one of the reasons why they say you should stretch is because you're going to prevent injuries. To my knowledge, and I've done deep dives into this, there is no evidence, empirical evidence to say that stretching prevents injuries. The, the studies that have been done from what I have gleaned, and it's really hard to do these studies, by the way, because, and, and I could get into a whole conversation about that, but it's very hard to do these studies. But the studies that I have seen done either say there is no difference or mm -hmm. two, that actually muscle function has been diminished because of stretching. And when I say diminished, what, what I really mean to say is weakened. And so stretching, there is evidence to support that stretching actually weakens muscles, which is not how an athlete wants to perform. If you're going to go work out, you know, and, and I'm going to lift weights and you see like a lot of these guys, they're stretching their pecs, you know, putting yeah. their head against the wall to open their chest. And and then they're going to go lift these weights, but the pec muscle is not working. And uh, when they, when they, because they've stretched it out, I myself have conducted numerous experiments. Um, I always start my teacher trainings, having my students um, activate their muscles, feel the strength of the muscle, and then stretch that muscle and then go back and repeat the same exercise. And they all the time feel weakened. Um, I've tested, I've done muscle testing with students before and after stretching. They always test weak. There's a study out of Lenox Hill Hospital that did the study on athletes and found that by stretching, they weakened their muscles for up to 30 minutes um, before they were going to go for their exercise, go mm. for the run. Um, and then there's other studies that have tested muscle function and found that people that stretch weaken their muscles up to one hour and 30 minutes afterwards. So there is really no place in my book for uh, passive stretching. Okay. So you're going to have to dive into that because my runners are going to be like, okay, so I should do nothing. I just <laughs> go out and run. So talk about what you mean. What's the difference in like, are we, we're going to go into mobility? Yeah. So one of the things like, so there's this term out there called passive stretching and active stretching. Yes. Now, yes. I don't like the word active stretching just because it has that word stretching in it. And what we're actually doing is activating. So it's active activating would be a better terminology. Yeah. A lot of people don't even know those terms so that are listening. So let's just, you know, go. Yeah. So let's if you're talking, into it. If you're talking about like say a hamstring stretch. So you're lying on your back. And both you're lying on your back and your legs are straight out and you bring your right leg up to 90 degrees. Okay. Yeah, I'm now, with you. That's dynamic stretching. Okay. If you just bring the leg up to 90 degrees, what it, what is the muscle that's actually doing that action? That muscle that's doing the action is really the quads, the quads and hip flexors, right? Mm -hmm. So if you just hold the leg there, say for six seconds, and then you lower the leg back down, 
And then you do that again for six seconds. You bring the leg up to 90 degrees or as far as you can. For 90 seconds, you come back down. That's a great technique because one of the biggest issues that a lot of runners have is weak or inactive hip flexors. And that actually will start to strengthen the hip Mm. flexors. But if you bring the leg up to 90 degrees and then you grab the leg or you grab the toes or you use a towel around the foot to pull the leg forward, that's passive. Now you're passively moving a leg beyond what it's capable of moving to. So Mm. when you brought the leg up as far as you could go, that was your natural range of motion. When you grab the leg and bring it closer to you, now we're passively stretching the hamstring and we're actually passively forcing the quads to contract beyond what their capacity is. When you, when we stretch, what there's a couple of, of physiological scientific explanations one of the simplest ones which is kind of a border not scientific is that when you bring a leg up to 90 degrees my brain is connected to that muscle if Mm -hmm. i hold it there for six seconds it creates a pattern it creates a feedback loop if you will if i repeat that exercise it reinforces that feedback loop so my brain knows where the muscle is in space But if I grab the leg and pull the leg closer to me, my brain is disconnected from that muscle and doesn't know where that muscle is in space. And so it disconnects. And so when, what, what essentially happens is that the muscle, the brain loses connection with the muscle. So the brain no longer knows where to tell the body to contract. It doesn't know which muscles to tell, to contract when it needs Mm. stability. Okay. So Aaron, <laughs> but, okay. is that, was that a lot? Was that too much? To no, 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 I mean, I want to break it down a little bit because there's people that will understand and be like, all right, so let's just get back to it. All right. But here, here's what I'm hearing. One Okay, Weston, after mountain biking, it's not good to do nothing, but hey, that's why everything's working so far. (laughs) (laughs) This is actually something, again, that I've studied a lot because things, it's not even like I I had the science behind it. it. Me knowing how the body is connected to the mind and spirit, it all works together. It just wasn't making a logical sense and how I knew things work from my exercise physiology background. That being said, because it could be a little confusing for the lay person, it's sure. not saying do nothing, no. but the stretching word, because they're going to hear no stretching and you're saying active stretching, you know, people call it mobility exercises. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ways to do that. That will be great for your body, but yeah. you don't like using the word stretching because it gets view- messed up or viewed with all the other ways people are stretching. Yeah. And really what you're saying is those yoga instructors that were trying to shove my legs down, I should go back and say, naughty, naughty. (laughs) (laughs) Bad yogi, bad yogi. (laughs) I knew I was not unconnected to the universe. Unfortunately, there's a lot of, and again, this sounds disparaging, but it's not, if we kind of, go up 30,000 feet that there's a lot of blind leading the blind. And even in the medical community, like people just accept that stretching is the answer 
because we have been programmed to think, and, and I know this is true because I've interviewed a lot of people that, you know, we've been programmed to believe that stretching and flexibility equates health, um, a youthful body, um, yeah. you know, and who doesn't want to be youthful? Who doesn't want to be healthy? So in order for a lot of people, like they think of those, you know, oh, I need to be flexible to be healthy and young. And, yeah. and I believe that too. And that was one of the reasons why I kept stretching is because I, I want to be young. I want to be healthy. Of course, who doesn't? Aaron, if I could fly to Costa Rica right now, I would come hug <laughs> you because it's like preaching to the choir. We were just having this conversation the other day and we're sitting around the campfire, having a good old time. And somebody goes, oh, I just, you know, did this move in yoga. Sandy, I'm sure you could do it. And, and I said, I'm probably the least flexible fit person, you know. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, yeah. Knock on wood. I'm healthy. I'm strong. I've been extremely fortunate. And I do a lot of things that, you know, I don't just do one activity. I'm very balanced with my activity and what I need. And I do not as often as I should, but I do mobility exercises. and. They were like, that's impossible. How do you want to be, you know, fit in this? You know, you have to stretch. I was like, I'm telling you, I'm the least. And so I went and I showed them. They're like, oh, and they got so upset for me, you know? So I can't wait for them to listen <laughs> and watch your podcast. I'm like, in your face. <laughs> well, I just want to just say that for the science people out there, episode three of my podcast, we dive really into the science and in understanding oh, cool. like all the, you know, the bones of it and why, what, you know, what the science is really about. Cause this is the hard thing. I think that a lot of yoga people, when I interact with yoga people, they usually have one of three responses. Their first one is anger. And just like, how dare you say something like that? Yeah. The second response is ignoring me. Um, and like you would, you know, your crazy grandmother, um, <laughs> like, oh yeah, that's, that's Aaron. He's just babbling, you know, just, you know, wrap a blanket around him. Um, and then the third response is like, oh my God, like you have finally said what I've been thinking about yeah, yeah, a long time. Yeah. And I find like that third group of people is really small, but it is starting to grow because more and more people are injuring themselves badly in yoga. And they're not really getting what they really came for in yoga, which is to unleash or unburden their mind so that yeah. they can feel the lightness yeah. spirit. And yeah. that's really the real promise of yoga. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm not a yoga person and for obvious reasons we went through, <laughs> but um, I, I can just imagine, cause I'm thinking all my friends that are yogis and it's more than just working out to them. It's, it's their community. Yeah. It's a relief to some of them. And if this is what they do X amount of days a week, five days a week, seven days a week, and this is their practice every single day. It's like, you're telling them the world isn't flat. It, it, you know what I mean? It's like, what do you mean? And so it's turning the whole way of believing upside down. And that, that can be a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It I'm sure. Can be a lot. 
Um, can I just circle back to something that you, you said earlier? It's like, you have a lot of people who are athletes listening here and yes, a lot, I, a lot. Do, I do believe very strongly. It's really important to do muscle activation exercises, um, which is what I teach. And, um, I, like, for example, today, just before talking to you, I went out for a big walk. Walking is sort of my new exercise these days. And, um, I always spend about 20 minutes doing muscle activation exercises yes, yeah, because yeah. I want to make sure that my glutes are working. Um, they're a main, main motive, mo, move, mo, mo, mover when I'm yeah. out walking, I want to make sure that my hip flexors are walking, you know, and then of course my, my abdominal muscles, um, obliques. So there's like all of these things that you want to make sure are working. So yeah, mm-hmm. the, what you don't want to do is stretch. And what you do want to do, which I think you use mobility exercises, yeah, I call them mobility. Good. Um, it depends on the person or doing some sort of muscle activation kind of yeah. Uh, yeah. practices and a muscle activation practice um, could be one of my favorite ones is like Superman pose lying on your stomach and lifting your chest and legs off the ground because yeah. that activates the glutes and lower back muscles. Do that six seconds. Come I back love that one. and do it six times. And that would be fantastic because one of the biggest problems that runners face um, is usually flat butt <laughs> because they're running, but they're not using their butt. Nobody. <laughs> Come on, maybe you got back, it's it. <laughs> yeah, more than just runners. I was just using them as an example because outside my window, I see them all the time. You know, crossing my that. You know, but most of the people here, you're going to have a lot of people that take yoga, you know, exercise classes, work out. But speaking of what you're talking about, um, muscle activation, and it's it's boggling my brain. I'll think of it. Maybe I'll, I'll add it in later. There are. Many trainers, just like your guy, Eric, that do believe like you, you do, because years ago in my club, the trainers were teaching that kind of stretching, non-stretching and doing it and saying, no, 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 no. You know, and there would always be this big war going on between the traditionalist. And I mean, that's starting back. And I'm going to say, I remember seeing it really becoming popular in 2000 you know, muscle activation techniques. And I'm sure it's mm-hmm. not, it was in the way they stretched their client and taught their client versus it wasn't in the yoga classes. It was mm-hmm. kept, separate. you know, and I think that's very, that's when I called it mobility exercises. Yes. I'm sure if I went into your stuff. Some of what I'm doing is similar to that, you know, that you've put in yoga. So let's go back now to your yoga classes. Give me just, you said your classes are like 90 minutes. How much of the component is the spiritual connection and the mindset as well as you're doing this muscle activation in your yoga? I, that's a very good question. A lot of people just think like, oh, what am I going to do in my yoga classes? Just teach muscle activation. Um, So I usually will incorporate there's, there's two elements to it that you want to approach from, but one is definitely find ways to weave muscle activations into the way that we approach postures. So the posture that I I just talked about right now, in Sanskrit is Shalabhasana or 
um, oh. locust pose or Superman pose where you lie on your stomach and you lift your chest and you lift your legs. That's actually yeah. a fantastic yoga pose that doesn't get a lot of press in many uh, yoga, I didn't know it was a yoga pose. Oh, absolutely. It's a fantastic one. Energetically and mentally, it completely balances you out. In fact, it's actually a great pose to do before you go to bed if you're suffering from insomnia um, because of just, just the effect that it has on the mind. You just, you just really get a quiet mind from doing that pose. Mm-hmm. But, but one of the reasons why, pe- by the way, yoga teachers don't do this pose very often is because it's heart. And um, it really, it doesn't get people a chance to really kind of quote unquote, go into their flexibility. It's a Mm -hmm. very strengthening kind of pose, but doing stuff like that in, in our yoga classes, another one is is one of my favorites is bridge pose um, where you are on your back, your knees are bent, feet are on the floor, and you just elevate your hips up as high as you can pressing down into the floor with your heels and you squeeze your glutes. And that is such a great glute activator. Um, And you do that six seconds, six times. Um, And there's a couple of others like that, but we start to weave that in. So that's the first part. And, and I, and then the second part is that we start to view things differently. For example, if I'm coming into a forward bend, a seated forward bend or, or a standing forward bend, Well, instead of just kind of flopping into a pose with gravity, the goal is no longer to see how far I can go, but to see maybe to go only 50% and understand that the muscles, what are supporting me in this pose is my abdominal muscles, like in a forward bend. The goal is no longer to stretch my back and stretch the hamstrings. It's actually to keep the core activated. And so part of my teaching methodology is to constantly remind people, and it's really hard to do because people immediately want to go in their flexibility, but to just practice coming out of the pose 50, 30 to 50%. So only going in as far as 30 to 50%. Now we have accountability and integrity and we maintain stability. Mm -hmm. Mm. So would you recommend, they want to know for the weightlifters, would you recommend, I know your answer, but you would say it, um, that they do active stretching, not stretching, sorry, (laughs) <laughs> you, can use, you can use say, say active stretching or dynamic stretching it's fine <laughs> train that train that um yeah. mobility before they weight train absolutely i mean one of the things in my story is i used to work i love to work out i worked out incessantly but i would continuously get shoulder and neck pain Um, And so guess what I did to fix it, stretch it out, but it never worked. So the only thing that would really work was me going off of weights for two weeks to four weeks. I mean, this was a constant cycle. I would start working out, I'd get motivated again, and then I would go to the gym and hurt myself because I was constantly stretching my delts, stretching my triceps, my, my pectoral muscles. And so there's like for any weightlifter, you really want to make sure there's three main muscle groups. Of course, there's others to consider, but there's three big muscles is, is um, uh, the trapezius. You want to make sure your traps are working. If I tested most bodybuilders trapezius muscles for how strong they were, 
they would always test weak. I've never met people with activated or, or yeah, activated trapezius. Now that's not to say that they can't, you know, pull down, yeah, you know, a hundred pounds. That's different. That's a strength test. That's not um, a test where we're testing a muscle's ability to contract and contract on demand. So there's a part of that muscle that their brain is not connected to. And the reason why I would always hurt myself was like, say, for example, I'm doing a bench press. Well, if my pecs aren't, aren't activated and my trapezius isn't activated, then I'm relying on my rotator muscles to kind of push up. I'm rotating yeah. on other little muscles to do the work. So I was saying that there's three muscles. You want to make sure your, your traps are activated, your pecs and serratus anterior. Those are the three huge muscles um, that are so responsible for so much movement and are usually not working in most people. I know. And I love, love weight training. Years ago, I got tested by a young man, one of my mentors, hmm. who said, yeah, if I tested you, I bet your traps are weak. I'm like, what are you talking about? My back is the strongest thing. <laughs> like, I can do my size, like 45 yeah. pound dumbbells. And guess what? He was right. You know, and then yeah. he showed me how to activate and all about mobility exercise and the different, and it really saved me. Yeah. You know, and the same thing like you were talking about, not from working out, but I, you know, from doing dumb crap on my mountain bike, I fell off my mountain bike a million times and I hurt my neck and all the stretches they gave me. I'm like, no way, Will Wadger. I know that. Can't <laughs> and I called my guy who was, the, you know, he's like, okay. And one of the things he gave me was like the Superman. It was great. So it's, I can't wait to say, see, don't doubt yourself. I tell people all the time, like, if your gut is telling me, I don't care what the world says, this is not right for me, check it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Check it out. All right, Aaron, there's so many things that I want to get in here and we're not going to get to it all. And that's fine because they can find you. They can look you up. They can do your podcast. But tell us a little bit about Costa Rica. What brought you to Costa Rica? How long have you been there? Do you teach workshops? Can people come down and stay with you? We want to know all about Costa Rica. You're, you're just like, <laughs> give it, give it all to us. So I'll, the no, just about Costa Rica. No, yeah, we got yeah, a lot yeah, more. Yeah. And I the did there once for a, for a, a yoga retreat with Patricia Moreno and did an intensity retreat there. And it was phenomenal. The quick story is that I, um, uh, was leading yoga retreats in Costa Rica and um, I came down here one time and I found a property with a Century 21 sign out of it. And I looked into the property and, I, and beyond was this beautiful ocean, this turquoise ocean. And my heart, again, the purpose was knocking at the door of my heart and said, well, you have to buy this place. And right at that moment, I was in Costa Rica with what became, who became my business partner. And I said to him, Adam, would you like to do something with me here? And he said, yes. So we started Blue Osa Yoga Retreat and Spa. It opened oh. in 2010. And, um, and then- Wait a minute, where were you before that? Where were you coming from? Where were you living? So I'm originally from Canada, but I lived oh, okay. in New York for the better part of 10 years, from 2001 until 2010. And uh, so- I lived over there. 
<laughs> and then I then I decided it's time for a change. So then we, you know, I came to Costa Rica. Um, and I just absolutely love it here. So we I do a lot of uh, uh, trainings, teacher trainings, um, yoga teacher trainings. And one of the things, one of the kind of big things that I'm doing now in the yoga teacher trainings is teaching people in this kind of a yama stuff, applied yoga anatomy and muscle activation. So ah. the technique of how to integrate um, the uh, muscle activation into yoga so that we can really start to teach yoga, real yoga, number one. And number two, okay. how do we leave people more stable than when we first met them? And that's my goal. It's because if we have stability in life, we can do anything in life. So that's a big impetus yeah. of what I'm teaching. So back to, I, I wanted to pick up one thing that I forgot to ask. When you were talking about the Superman pose, you said, like, I thought it was more from, you know, physical therapist and athletes. And what you're saying is it's also a yoga pose. And I didn't know it was a yoga pose because you didn't do it in yoga classes. Are there other yoga poses like that that you do that you wouldn't even know? Like, oh, I didn't even know that came from yoga. That's a that's an interesting question to unpack. I'd have to think about it for a moment. Um, there is, I mean, that particular pose, Shalabhasana, Superman pose, is it actually in the tradition. If you read the Hatha Yoga Pratipika, you'll see, mm. you know, that kind of pose in there. And yeah. um, and because of the energetic qualities that it has. So there's not actually, a lot of people don't know that there really isn't that many quote unquote real yoga poses. What's happened is, is that we've taken some of the basic yoga postures and then completely blowing them up. And we've actually turned uh, gotcha, to gotcha. simple movements like plank pose, you know, plank pose is now a yoga pose. Well, it wasn't, was it a yoga pose before or did we just kind of make it into a yoga pose? So that has happened a lot as well, especially in the yeah. last hundred years that there's all of these poses that all of a sudden have become uh, yoga poses. Gotcha. Okay. So I love the fact I'm just going to read some of these when I ask for tips for the people. I love these. They're like, make time for yourself every day to be still use positive affirmations daily. Move your body. I love him. And I did, by the way, we did not talk before this and I did not tell him to say this. Wake up every day asking yourself, am I manifesting and living my life purpose? And number five, commit to the practice of gratitude and only speaking words that are kind, true, and necessary. Oh, I love these. I love these. and I'm glad you sent them to me. So let's talk about from there. They want to know what your routine is. Like when you wake up in the morning, what does Yogi Aaron do first thing? When I wake up in the morning, (laughs) I ask myself, how am I living my purpose today? Um, I always make my coffee in the morning and between making my coffee and just having that kind of routine and then going out and sitting out on my porch. Um, and I have a river outside my place in, in when I'm in the city. And then when I'm at Blue Osa, we live right on the ocean. So I connect to water and water is 
the place that I go to, to feel grounded, to feel, mm-hmm. you know, expansive, yeah. all of those things that connects me to limitless possibilities. And I really take that moment in the mornings to align my thoughts with what is important to me. Am I living my purpose? Um, and then also just, I don't, I don't, kind of eradicating any kind of negative thoughts or being aware of any negative thoughts and replacing them with positive thoughts. And I really believe that what is in our head is, is our, becomes our reality in the moments that I don't do that practice. Um, and, and I'm kind of like having a negative attitude. It just infects everything in my life. Um, and I, and and then I lose, and then I become grumpy and I become, you know, not a nice person. And so I really try to, as much as I can align with my best self. And, um, and, and one of the practices that I do to do that is what you read on the fifth part, you know, about a year and a half ago, I got into a really dark place. It was a combination of just giving, 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 giving. Mm. And I just started to notice that every word I was speaking started becoming negative. And I just mm. was tired. I was just tired. So anyways, I went to Greece for two and a half months. And um, that was part of my, I just needed to recoup. Yeah. But before I left for Greece, I said, I'm going to embody the practice of gratitude and I'm only going to speak words that are kind, necessary and true. And if I feel like I want to complain, I'm going to just express gratitude. And, you know, when we make a commitment like that, you know, we are, we, the universe tests us very quickly. So I got to Greece and I rented a car. And I left Athens and about one hour later, the car broke down underneath, you know, a sun, it was 120 degrees outside. And I remember like, okay, I am thankful for my health in this moment, (laughs) but you know, it created this aura of grace and patience that I might not have had. And, you know, it, it, it made me remember the true purpose of that trip, which was yeah. to live in spontaneity. Well, the universe was giving me spontaneity and, um, and it just, it, that there was right there was where I was really challenged. And, mm-hmm. but also by committing to that practice, it helped me stay in purpose for what my trip was all about. Mm. Mm. Thank you for sharing that, because I think that's a huge thing for a lot of people to hear. So many of us who are on a more self-discovery spiritual path, we feel like, well, we should already be there. We should already know it. Uh, How could I be having all these negative thoughts? How could I be spiraling down? And I always say to them, oh, my God, it's just you know, you get here and then there's the next thing, then you get here and then it's next. It's a part of the journey, you know? So I really appreciate you saying that how you had to step back because you were overly giving for me. I know when I do that and I take time to sit with myself, the first thing I feel is I'll start feeling resentment. Yeah. Because so-and-so's not doing that they're not giving. Well, guess what? You know what I mean? Like, no one asked you to do all this. So I have to really regroup. You know, I go out and talk to my trees. So I, I really, really appreciate that. 
Aaron, you mentioned, I was thinking years ago, I could have done that yoga teacher training. <laughs> so, maybe I could add yoga to my repertoire. All right. So, <laughs> anywho, so right now, I just want to clarify for the lay person out there, you're not doing yoga retreats for them. It's only for people that want to be instructors. Well, I mean, the yoga teacher training immersions that we offer, that I offer, is one of the best ways for people. It's it's like a two-week therapy course. It's a two-week um, course on how to live life. So we use the the format as yoga teacher training. And, and I've done a lot of formats, but the yoga teacher training one is the best. I would say that 70% and the number is probably higher of people that go into yoga teacher training, do it because they want to just expand their knowledge of yoga. And the mm -hmm. yoga teacher training method is one of the best ways to do that. Um, and, and doing it with me is a big blessing because <laughs> that every teacher training that. I do, well, first of all, I teach real yoga and, yeah. Yeah. um, and there's a lot to unpack in that statement, I know, but it's, I, I understand. I believe that the gift of yoga is the removal of our suffering and the doorway opens to manifest and live our life purpose. And, and so th that's one reason. The second reason is between six and 10 days with me, people always become pain-free. So I get every, you know, most people coming to my trainings are dealing with knee pain, groin pain, lower yep, back yep. pain, shoulder pain, um, nerve pain, uh, fibromyalgia, the list goes on, but always, always day six to day 10, people become pain free. And I just, that's what gets me going. And I love doing that um, in providing that service for people. But yoga teacher training immersion is for anybody who just feels like either they want to just do immerse in yoga, they want to learn about their bodies, they want to connect with community, they want to mm -hmm. connect to their life purpose. I mean, if you yeah. fall into any of those categories, this yeah. is yeah. for you. Aaron, I'm so glad this worked out. I really appreciate <laughs> sharing your knowledge and your wisdom and all of you with my let's keep it real people. And before we go though, I know you have books out there. I know yes. you have a podcast. I'm sure they can look up your teacher training on websites. We want to know every which way to reach you. Um, the best thing to do is just go to my website, uh, yogi Aaron.com. Um, oh, okay. and, uh, they can get access to my new book. Um, and if you might don't mind putting it in the show notes, you can put the, the link, the direct link to my book. We'll um, do that. Just releasing this week, uh, which is called Stop Stretching, a uh, new yogic approach to master your body and live pain-free. And <laughs> one of just as a little side note, one of my favorite chapters in the book is Who Are You Without Your Pain? And yeah. Um, okay. dive into a little bit of the yogic philosophy around it, but the book is primarily giving you real practices on that you can apply into your life 
And, um, and then through my website, they can get access to my podcast, um, which, like I said, at the beginning is really more of a documentary esque storytelling podcast. Um, It's very informative and very dynamic and fun to listen to. So it's called, it is also called stop stretching. So (laughs) you can't forget it. (laughs) so that's the best way and the last thing i wanted just to mention is that i want to give your listeners a free gift um which is my you know seven days to becoming pain-free uh series and so uh you know i would like to invite you to add that into the show as well and it's a free gift from me but it's an introduction only to to the work that i'm doing you know, a lot of people, I think in our Western culture, always want to, you know, get an instant fix to stuff. The stuff that I'm teaching works if people apply it in their life. And and sometimes it takes a few weeks for it to actually start to kind of kick in, if you will. Um, some of us have had very stressful and traumatic lives, and that has an effect on our neuromuscular system. So we have to kind of give ourselves time to to um, mend, if you will. (laughs) So have compassion with ourselves. That's what I'm saying. Have compassion uh, with yourself and your process. All right, Aaron, thank you so much. But before we go, the last thing, is there anything that we didn't get in that you wanted to get in today? Everything. (laughs) There's so much to talk about. <laughs> All right then. I, I do want to say one thing. I have enjoyed really talking with you, and you just are such a light in this world. And I'm so grateful for people like you who are passing along this light and sharing it with as many people as you can. You know, we're the trailblazers in this world going against the grain and we just need to support each other and celebrate each other's unique brilliance. So thank you. I have to tell you before we go and they can't see it. I'm saying, I used to, after my class, because so many people would get on me about why didn't you teach yoga? Why don't you do this? And so it became a joke after my high impact classes that I would say, peace be with you or get a peace. And people would be like, did she just say, peace be with you or get a peace? And it became such a joke that it spread through the whole entire club. But what ended up happening, it actually drew more people to seek different ways of working out that was meant for their body. You know what I mean? Just by that little funny, silly thing, I would, all I was trying to say is there's more than one way to be healthy, yeah. you know, Absolutely. and connect with the universe and hug a tree. So I appreciate <laughs> all right, I let's keep it real people. Mine with sense of humor. I just want to say, come on, you're going to want to share it, like it, rate it. Is there anyone, anyone who couldn't benefit from Yogi Aaron's wisdom. No one, no one. So I love you. You're the best. Do your thing. And until next time, you know what I'm going to say. Toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, 
keep spreading the positive.